Hello, fabulous followers, and welcome to this edition of Totem Talks. I'm Mark Smith. I'm Helen Fruin. And today we are talking about perfectionism mm-hmm. and why it is inherently not perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we all know the odd perfectionist who's, you know, rather frustrating to work with at times. And in preparation for this podcast, we actually discovered that both me and Helen are perfectionists, but in very different ways. Mm. Like we're not perfectionists in everything. And maybe that's worth acknowledging that... Mm. I do know some perfectionists who are perfectionists about everything. Mm-hmm. And then there's people like you and me who have got a particular thing that you're a perfectionist about, but not everything. Yeah. So, for example, I'm very fussy about visuals. And I don't even tell the difference. You can't even tell. <laughs> I'm not particularly fussy about spelling or grammar because that's what spell checks for. And it catches 90% of my mistakes and that'll do for and me. And the 10% will drive me crazy. And then I get I get frustrated looks from across the room. You can't send that to a client. <laughs> but it's fascinating because you'll, you, you'll, you'll die of mortification if you send mm. a proposal to a client with a comma in the wrong place. Mm. But you'll have happily used graphics from 1992 and splashed them all in the wrong places and gone, oh, that'll do. Because I can't tell the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So perfectionism... Um, there is some stuff on our website about this. Mm. and Indeed, ha- called Why Perfectionism Isn't Perfect. Yeah, and um, partly the reason we bring it up is because there is the risk within business that perfectionists are masking an inherent business problem. Mm. And I think we've encountered that a few times recently where basically somebody is a martyr within a team and they are working early, they are working late, they're taking on extra duties, on extra shifts in order for them to be the controlling force within a project, let's say. And actually, that has disguised a bigger problem. And it, because it's taking that person in a monumental effort to get something done, it's often being kept a secret from the team, to some degree, mm-hmm. um, or they're not acknowledging that there's a big problem. And that has caused bigger issues in the business when either A, that perfectionist has burnt out and exploded and needed to take six months off of stress, or that perfectionist has dropped a few of the balls that they're juggling. Um, or they move on. Or they move on, yeah, yeah, quite naturally. Um, I think we've seen it more where the burnout has happened. Mm-hmm. And as you say, the, the business problems that have been masked you know, even the business problem of I've got three members of my team who are not very good at their jobs. Yeah. Nobody's given them that feedback. Nobody's developed their performance. A perfectionist has covered over mm. those performance issues by working ridiculous hours and doing everything themselves. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not sustainable. It's not good for anybody. No, no, it's not good for anybody in that circle of, of people. So um, this is why we are bringing perfectionism to the tendency. Mm. Because it's also curious that perfectionism is something that's an acquired personality trait. It's not something we're born with. Mm -hmm. And whoever wrote that fabulous article on our website suggests that it might be a Western phenomenon. I don't know if that's true or not. Actually, I'm going to have to take that back. Yeah, I think if you look at uh, Chinese and Indian families and the pressure they put on their children to get good grades, I think you'd say, no, that's not very Western then. It might be a modern Um, phenomenon. I don't know. Yes. But there is this idea that we're not allowed to play anymore. Mm. And certainly as kids, there is is a greater greater pressure placed on the grades that you're going to get, what you're going to do with your life. I always find that fascinating, asking a 16-year-old, to pick a career 
they can barely get out of bed in the morning (laughs) (laughs) or wash and um you know to to ask them to begin focusing on a career at that age is a little unreasonable perhaps Mm. um but yeah so this idea that we're we're, we're placing pressure on our kids to get the right answer actually inhibits a playful and growth-based mindset and what's fascinating is that perfectionism is almost the opposite of resilience Mm. in one way so you have a perfectionist will continue to chip away a little thing but because it's it, it itches them a resilient person will just bounce back from failure whereas a perfectionist won't allow failure because perfectionism and fear of failure are so tied in together yes like, exactly so if, I, yeah. if i fail i have not been perfect yeah so that fear of failure will drive totally unhelpful behavior. Mm-hmm. And as you say, then when you do fail, and it is a when, everybody yeah, fails, everybody makes mistakes. When you do fail, you're less likely to be able to recover well from that because you haven't built up all of that resilience that says, well, failure is just part of the process and mm-hmm. we learn and we move on. Um, so, yeah, as you say, perfectionism and resilience then kind of a, a, a contrast to yeah, each other. Yeah. What we don't want to do is bash perfectionists. Because there, there is a place for the detail orientated within a team. I think we've learned that a few times. We've certainly learned that with ourselves mm-hmm. in that when we bring our detail oriented quirks to a project, the project is naturally enhanced by that. And complementary, as you yeah, say. Yeah. So if oh, I make yeah. sure the words are good and you make sure the visuals are good, that's a very good mix. Yeah, but we have to be careful to not take that to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, I would wonder how you've learned how not to take that to the end. I know how I've learned not how to push that boundary. How have you learned not to push that boundary? Uh, well, I've actually had some technology issues recently that have forced that. Oh, really? Thing. Which ones? Your uh, IT my, department is unaware of this. Yes, absolutely. Uh, come on, IT department, help me. Uh, my Outlook calendar, Outlook email, mm-hmm. has stopped. Uh, even when you purposefully put on the spell check function, it does not spell check. Oh, well, that's a pain in the bum, isn't it? And I have been all through Google looking at why that's happening and how to fix it, and I can't find anything. And I, I did speak to you about this, and you oh, your IT department is aware of this, and you and you also tried and could find no reason why it didn't work or how to fix it. Oh yeah. So I am sending emails to clients repeatedly with errors in because I've got no spell check. Hmm. That must be incredibly frustrating for you. Well, when you come to realize that unless I'm going to go through every email with a fine tooth comb, which would take me half an hour to write every single email, that's not reasonable for me. I have to accept it. Hmm. My approach to sending emails is I write them out and I'm a terrible typo. I'm quick, but I just, I'm basically just an idiot smashing a keyboard. <laughs> and so then I have to reread the email. and I do tend to skim it, but I do catch 90%. And I'm with that, you. Like, Send. I, I believe that I'm catching 90%. Perhaps my clients can tell me. My clients are now going to write to me and say, no, you're, you're catching like 20%. Your emails mm. are coming through looking ridiculous. But um, there is an acceptance point here of, I have a problem. I've tried to fix it. I can't seem to find a way to fix it. So I have to accept. And then commit to action. There oh, we go. Acceptance commitment therapy. <laughs> That's two podcasts ago. People just jump back. <laughs> I think where I learned acceptance was even... The fabulous Mr. Toyota, and it's Oda, not Oda, not Ota, Ota. Um, pushed for ninety nine point nine nine percent, and he, you know, this is where the sort sort of six six sigma stuff comes from. 
is that you will spend a disproportionate amount of resources chasing that last tiny percentage point um, in order to get to 100 and that you should actually begin to build in a failure rate mm. of your products either through insurance schemes through double checks uh, through having a legitimate amount of waste coming from a certain production run you know you if you build that failure rate into your thinking as you're engineering a process then you've actually met your targets and by meeting your targets you you achieve a degree of perfectionism that way yeah and and it's not a lot you're not allowed to you know you're not you're not scrapping one out of every hundred cars you're scrapping one out of every million that you know that is an acceptor it's not every million what is it hundred thousand i think um that is a much more acceptable failure rate and because you've planned for that you've got the resources to manage that failure and you've got the processes in place so it's not an absolute panic uh, so i suppose if you've then worked for a few years in that environment that says failure mistakes are part of the process and we need to build in and i guess that comes back to your point about perfectionism masking business problems Mm. because if you accept we are going to have business problems we're going to have things that aren't perfect then nobody has to mask Mm. them and we can all talk about that and then you become you know the, the whole piece of psychological safety here becomes so important that we can talk about mistakes we can talk about failure nobody's got to cover them up Mm-hmm. So, what advice is is the borderline official shrink in this company? <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give to people who are either working with perfectionists and it's driving them potty, or perfectionists who are working in a business and who are going potty because everybody mm-hmm. else really can't be bothered to do just to, from their perspective the basics well? Yeah, um, I mean, you know, we've certainly found that before, haven't we? Yeah. Um, I'll start with that second question because. Uh, either if you recognize yourself as a perfectionist or as we've done, recognize that there are aspects of perfectionism Mm -hmm. in our work. Uh, One of the difficulties with being a perfectionist is that you'll see the benefits of it. Yes. (laughs) So you can see the benefit of checking my work before it goes to a client because you make it look so much better with your visual prowess. Uh, I can see the benefits of checking the detail of the wording because things go out with fewer spelling mistakes. Um, If you are a full-on perfectionist and everything is structured, everything is well-managed, everything is managed, you know, minute-by-minute to-do lists, and you're going to see the benefits of that. You get more stuff done than anybody else. You get stuff done to a higher standard. And so when you see the benefits of what you do, why would you change? Mm, I would argue that more stuff done. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think sometimes I've I've found with perfectionists that they can delay projects Mm. because it's not quite Yes, that's true. And also because once they've submitted it, the potential for feedback that's not conducive to their, their current condition, they, you know, they do drag their feet towards the end. That last 2%, yes. they're like, uh, no, 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 it's not ready. I don't want to submit it because it's not going to be perfect. But the quality of their work is high. I will give, I will, yes. I'll give you that. Sorry. I well, and again, that probably depends on your style of perfectionism, True. right? Yeah. Because one style of perfectionism is having everything so organized and so structured that you never miss a deadline. Mm-hmm. And another form of perfectionism is, no, I can't let it go until it's perfect. So therefore, I always miss deadlines. Mm. So perhaps there's one piece here of recognizing what kind of perfectionism you have or what kind of. Perhaps the the question is, where are you setting ridiculously high standards for yourself Mm -hmm. and others? Yeah. Where are you expecting, you know, I should get this done. I should have this done to this quality. Where are you setting those very high standards for yourself and others? And what if you could bring, as you said earlier, a bit more of a playful 
or growth mindset to that in what if there was a different way of thinking? What if there was a more resilient way to do this? What if there was a way of helping others improve their ability so I'm not having to cover for them? Mm-hmm. Um, or even just the question. So if we start with the question, where have I got very high standards and where might that be having a downside? Mm. Those two questions alone might just help us start to question is this the most helpful form of thinking? Is there a better way I could be thinking about this to not drive myself to burnout or drive my team crazy and so on? Mm. And for those of us working with with these nutty types? <laughs> well, there you always come back to feedback and observations, don't we? Mm. So for you to be able to say to me, I thought you were going to send that to the client yesterday. Oh, well, I'm just trying to make sure it's perfect. You have given me that observation and feedback many times that I am delaying the end of a project because I want to check that it's perfect. And so again, always talk about good observational feedback, be specific, be objective. So it's not for you to go to a colleague and say, you're too much of a perfectionist, you're driving me potty. It's to go to someone and say, I've noticed that we're missing deadlines. I've noticed that we're getting right up to the deadline and then things are having to go through more processes that doesn't seem like it's so helpful. What could we be doing better? Mm. And if the other person can then start saying, well, it's because I want it to be perfect. Well, then let's start to challenge that. So feedback and observations are always your best starting point for any behavior that doesn't seem to be most helpful. Mm. So earlier you mentioned fear of failure and we actually wrestled with whether we should be calling this podcast fear of failure or perfectionism. Mm. Uh, Fear of failure appears in your soon to be released book, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Could you give us some more? Another sneak peek into the... Sneak peek into the book. So one of the, and a reminder, in case any of you are not aware about the book, uh, the book is called Better Than Confidence. Subtitle is now a working subtitle. So I'm going currently on Better Than Confidence, the thinking tools you need to get the results you want. And so you've got seven chapters, seven different thinking tools to help you get the results you want. One of those thinking tools is to challenge beliefs that might be getting in your way of getting better results or the results that you're looking for and indeed perfectionism is one of those beliefs Mm -hmm. that being perfect is the only way to be and fear of failure is another one now perfectionism and fear of failure tend to come somewhat together yeah Um, but fear of failure can also show up on its own so you don't have to be a perfectionist to say i don't i don't want to go for that job promotion because what if i walk into my manager's office and say I think I'd like to get a pay rise or I think I'm ready for that promotion. And my manager says, no, you're not ready or you're not worth that amount of money or, Mm. oh gosh, that sinking feeling in the chest of I've failed, I'm not good enough. It sounds a bit like perfectionism, but it doesn't always show up in the same behavioral patterns. Uh, Again, it can do perfectionists, like you say, can stop doing something because they're worried about it not being perfect fear of failure can show up in a different way in a similar way in that we don't go for that job promotion because Mm -hmm. we're not good enough so yeah there are massive overlaps uh in the book the idea is to say again as we've done with perfectionism already where have you seen that that belief has been useful for you because we tend to develop these beliefs as you talk about whether it's western society or uh, it's interesting even because i mentioned chinese and indian families you often see that show up more in immigrant families so Chinese yeah, in, in, in families foreign, yeah. moving to the West yeah. and then having that, you know, like you say, what are you going to do with your life? Be a doctor, be a lawyer. You've mm. got to get all of the best grades. Um, so when you see that push for 
you get love and affection from your parents by getting good grades, by being perfect, by not failing. Mm. You are learning to protect yourself and keep being worthy and loved by being perfect and Mm. by not failing. So there's something about acknowledging where is this belief being useful for you, like keeping you protected, keeping you safe, keeping you safe in your family environment. Mm -hmm. And where now, perhaps as an adult in the business world, is it not being so helpful for you and starting to have downsides? And once you start to acknowledge those downsides, how could you choose to manage that behavior or that belief differently? Hmm. Uh, Thank you, as always, uh, psychiatrist Helen, for your contribution. Psychologist, Um, technically, but let's... Psychologist. You know, well, the less said about the healthcare professional council, the better. Um, We are going to wrap it up there. Next time, we will be talking about difficult conversations, Mm. how to have them. We're also getting very close to the end of year review as well, I believe, Mm -hmm. on our podcast spreadsheet. Um, And we'll talk more about that later. In the meantime, have a wonderful few weeks and we shall talk to you soon. Thank you.